Hi guys, this is Kendra Kamer with the Candidly Kendra Podcast. In today's episode of the Candidly Kendra Podcast, I want to tell you about the day it all changed. This is episode one of Joy in the Morning. Breakfast used to be my favorite meal to eat out. You know, when nearly every day starts with a quick bowl of cereal as I rush the kids out the door to school, while sitting at a table ordering breakfast from a menu and being served my meal on dishes that I don't need to wash, that's the ultimate luxury. And how much more special is it to sit across that breakfast table from someone whose company you love? Coffee in hand, refilled dependably by a vigilant waiter. That is the delight I had in meeting my mom for breakfast every week for the past 12 years. I treasured our breakfast together, and I know she did too. We had our list of favorite places where I would usually get pancakes, and mom would get a muffin, maybe a cinnamon roll. We'd both drink cup after cup of coffee, and we'd talk about everything. We would talk about the kids, of course. We'd talk about her planned trips with dad. We'd talk about church, my latest project. She was my mom and also my best friend. In the past few years, Dad started coming along to breakfast as well. He always asked, I'm not going to get in the way, am I? It's okay if I come, is it? Yes, it was always okay. Sometimes I felt like the three of us could spend the whole day connecting over our cups of coffee, or orange juice in Dad's case, if only the responsibilities weren't nudging us to get back to reality. One day, as we sat together in the booth in late June 2019, we could tell something wasn't right with Mom. Mom fumbled her words. She spoke in a clear voice, but she couldn't remember the names of everyday things. Flagging down her favorite server, whose name was Clay, just like my oldest brother, she said, I want, I want that black drink. Well, Mom laughed at herself, and we chuckled along awkwardly. We were afraid. What is going on with mom? Mom always had a refreshing vocabulary. She used unusual words, the charming ones that you find in literature, rather than humdrum descriptions most of us have in our back pocket. Except when she forgot the words for things altogether, and she did that for as long as I can remember. When I was a teenager still living at home, I remember getting frustrated when mom would say, Kendra, would you give me that thing over there? You know, the thing. Where, Mom? The thing on top of the thing. (laughs) It always seemed like her mind was moving too fast for her vocabulary. She had more important things to think about than the words for things. But it makes me wonder, did she have a tumor even back then? Well, that morning over breakfast, Dad and I were baffled over Mom's difficulty in remembering the word for coffee and her unusual tiredness. But we didn't panic. In fact, I don't know what we would have done if mom and dad's friends hadn't come by later that night for dinner. Well, they took one look at mom and said, Jim, you have got to take Bev to the hospital right now. So he did. And that's when it began. Hospital gowns, hospital food, tests, more tests. A month later, mom had brain surgery to remove a mass. That's what they called it. It could have been anything. A mass? A mass of what? Well... A week later, we found out. 
Now listen, I believe that there are two types of people in the world. There are the people who worry and wonder and make immediate appointments with the doctor to get the answers. And then there are people like me, and incidentally like my mom, who would be quite content to never find out. Let me live in comfortable ignorance. Let me drink my coffee and have my breakfast dates. Let it all stay the same. But everything changed the day they called us into the cancer center at Memorial Hospital. The cancer center. Is it cancer then? We all wondered. Eh, But we knew that we knew. A team of doctors took turns coming into the tiny room where we sat, mom and dad, my sister-in-law, and I. I don't think the room was made for so many people. For several hours, we heard from a neurologist, a radiologist, an oncologist, a nurse liaison, and we continually asked each other between visits, what did that person do again? Mom had gliosarcoma a terminal brain cancer. Treatments were available, but they wouldn't hold off cancer for long. She wouldn't be cured. She would die from this. Well, I held a pen and a pad of paper in my hand and I handled it. (laughs) I took in the practical information they gave us. I wrapped my head around it and then I shut it up safe in my little notebook. I watched mom to see how she was doing. She was fine. Makes me wonder, was she handling it, locking it up tight for later like I was? I checked on Dad. His emotions were on his sleeve, crying, grieving. After three hours, too many new doctors and a flood of information about things I had no interest in learning about. Chemotherapy, standards of care, radiation therapy. Well, I gave Mom, Dad, and Carrie a hug. I tried to look hopeful. I texted an informational update to Steve and I drove home. I crawled onto the couch and into a game on my phone and tried not to look up for hours, for days. (laughs) I answered Steve's questions, but I wished he wouldn't ask them. I may have made one of the kids a snack, but I stayed in my shell. I was afraid to feel, so I didn't. And that lasted about a week. (laughs) And then I started writing a cookbook. Well, Steve was flummoxed by my behavior. Normally, if there's one thing we do well, it's communicating. But suddenly, I was uncommunicative, clearly avoiding the elephant in the room. Well, I realize now that with a serious attack on our comfort systems with major stress, trauma, the loss of a loved one, a terrible diagnosis, we each have an initial coping response. This is the way we respond to try to manage those overwhelming emotions. Some people like me numb themselves. They try not to feel. They build walls to stop others from making them feel. They get busy with internal activity to block the rest out. So it might be video games, books, movies, maybe sleep. I call this numbing. Others, also like me, get into a frenzy of activity, still trying not to feel, still building walls, but doing it through external activity. They may work extra hours, clean out a closet, start a new project, start writing a cookbook. I call this frenzy. Still others respond by mulling over the problem, chewing on it, like a tough piece of meat, hoping to soften it by worry. They internally rehearse their difficulty over and over again, hoping to change the outcome. I call this mulling. And finally, others, like Steve, process their problems with others, needing to vent, needing to express their feelings and concerns out loud, hoping to release the stress of their difficulty by talking about it. 
They will likely find someone to talk or cry with to try to feel better. I call this venting. Well, as Steve and I sat in the pit, trying in vain to manage the overwhelming pain of knowing someone we love was dying, we weren't strong. We weren't spiritual. We just let the feelings swirl around us and looked for the light at the other end of the tunnel. Searching. But that's okay. The doctors told us that mom would not live long with gliosarcoma. They tried to squelch our optimistic expectations. They told us mom would have 8 to 18 months left to live. Mom smiled, true to form, and she said God is in control, and he was. Thanks, guys. You can find this post on my website, candidly, KendraK.com, backslash the day it all changed with hyphens between the words. I hope that you will take a look at that. There you will also find links to posts where I explain the four ways we respond to emotional pain. So you can go back over those concepts of numbing, frenzy, mulling, inventing, and see which one you relate to the most. How does your spouse respond? How do your kids respond? And what does that mean for you? I hope you guys have a great weekend. And I'll be back again with another post for you later on.